live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Regions Business Radio. Regions Business Radio is presented by Regions Bank. Brave the beginning, member FDIC. Now, here's your host, J.D. Mueller. Welcome to Regions Business Radio. This is J.D. Mueller. So glad that you're here with us as we wrap up what's been a crazy and interesting 2022 across, you know, the economy and business and and, and certainly life in general. And uh, we're so glad that you tuned in to us today. And I'm so excited about my guest. I can't wait to introduce him to you in a moment. But before I do, I want to stick with our, our regularly scheduled sort of agenda and begin with sort of what I call the market update and specifically related to Northeast Georgia and Gwinnett. You know, interest rates continue to rise. The Fed believes that they are managing inflation in the economy in the right direction by managing interest rates. So we see that happening. And at the same time, within the world of banking, I find it interesting that loan volume and projects continue on pace that they had, you know, earlier in this year. So I would say a couple things. If you're a business owner or an executive and you haven't had a conversation with your bank around the rising interest rate environment and what that means to your short-term working capital or any term loans that may be maturing in the next 60, 90, 120 days, I would encourage you to speak to your banker about that. And I would always encourage you after you speak to your banker to call one of my bankers at Regions and, and get a second opinion on that. The other thing that I, would, that I would encourage you to do, and I do this all the time at the end of the year, is make sure that you're communicating with your banker how your year is going to end up and what you anticipate next year looking like from a financial perspective. With economic headwinds blowing and with some sub-industries sort of feeling a little slowdown, my encouragement to you as a business owner or an executive is no surprises. No surprises with your bank, no surprises with your CPA, and just make sure that you're communicating early and often, I would say, um, what's going on with your company. And then the, the final thing that I would say in my market update as we look into the end of the year is take advantage of this time to begin thinking about how you want to present your year's performance to your bank and to your banker. I just think that, that, that it's important. If you just let the numbers tell the story, then the numbers only tell part of the story. There's narrative around each of your companies or each of your businesses' story for the year. Tell the story. Tell the story to your CPA. Tell the story to your banker. And if there's not a banker to tell the story to, call me, get in touch with me from, from our website, and, and we want to hear your story, and we want to help your story. So that's our little market update and a little bit of heading into the end of the year. And that's it's a great place to, to jump off. I am, I am beyond excited to have a mentor, a friend of mine as my guest today, a buddy that, that I've just, I, I admire greatly uh, on a variety of levels. And before I introduce him to you, uh, I do want to mention that we're recording today at Royal Lakes Country Club in Flowery Branch. As I look over producer Mike Salmon's shoulder, it's a, it's a rainy December day, but uh, Royal Lakes Golf and Country Club is a wonderful place to, to have a meal, to have a round of golf, or uh, to come and have a business meeting. So we would encourage you to do that. And we thank them for hosting us today at uh, Royal Lakes Golf and Country Club in Flowery Branch. And, you know, one of their newest residents is my friend Perry Holly. Perry, thank you yeah, for joining right. me today. I'm so glad you're here. J.D., I can't believe we finally got together, and you made it a, a home game for me. So I, I do live here at Royal Lakes, and it's been, uh, I'm learning you're, t you're showing me the clubhouse for the first time because I'm new here. But, yeah, thanks. Good to be with you. Yeah, well, we're going to introduce you to all the staff and make sure they have <laughs> your uh, your favorite menu items. And uh, they don't know that a celebrity like you, is, you is right around the corner. Can I get your member number? Like, you know, they, <laughs> it's one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one. not number one. But uh, So, Perry, again, go back to my intro. 
along our life's journeys, you just come across people from time to time. It's like many of you know that Mike Salmon is my producer of Regions Business Radio, and he and I became immediate friends with, when we met. The same thing for, for Perry. Perry and I found ourselves living across the street from each other, and I realized that not only was he a man of influence in business and speaking and coaching and leadership, um, but he was a man of influence specifically in my life. And uh, I just thank you for that. You know, as we roll out this podcast, I just can't thank you enough for giving me a few minutes of your time. I think my customers and my prospects will appreciate you being here. You're very generous, but I recall also as a two-way street, we've uh, we've shared a lot, had a couple of coffees, uh, talking about life, talking about work, talking about leadership. Uh, we've met with your team, we've we've met alone, we've uh, we've discussed. So it's uh, you've you've had a lot of, had a loud voice in my life as well. My family also just knowing we still talk, that we, even though we don't live across the street, we we've got a new house, and I hear we've got to. Get Amy over. Uh, you, you weren't mentioned, but Amy was mentioned. So of course, yeah. no, I understand that. I play second fiddle to Miss Miller all the time. Perry, tell us for those that don't know Perry Holly, that don't know your experience and what you do now. Can you give us a, an intro to who you are and what you do? Sure, I'd be glad to. So, I, you know, not from Atlanta, not from Georgia. Started on the West Coast. My dad was in the space program. I kind of grew up at the Space Coast in Florida, and made my way after the Apollo program ended, and man had been on the moon and that sort of thing. My dad uh, opened a business in Georgia and I came here toward the end of high school, made my way to uh, the University of Georgia where I got a degree and a wife and both of those are working out pretty well. So pretty, pretty happy about that. Took my first job out of uh, university with uh, IBM and moved my young bride who the furthest west she had ever been in the United States was Six Flags over Georgia. So uh, I introduced her to uh, the great west and moved to Memphis, Tennessee, right in the middle of the country and took on a sales role for IBM. I was very proud. And my first account, FedEx, which funny, when you get a sales rep on FedEx, they, they kind of order stuff and you, I kind of fooled myself into thinking I was an amazing sales guy when they were just going to order lots of equipment every year anyway. So I had a, some learning, some hard learnings to come from that. But, you know, made my way through being a sales guy, got promoted. Uh, and IBM, they move you. A lot of people think IBM stood for I've been moved because they move you every time you get promoted. Uh, they move you to a new city back in the day, not anymore. So I got promoted to a sales manager and moved a new city. And then I uh, got promoted to, to a sales executive, new city, ended up back in Atlanta eventually. Uh, we climbed the ladder and realized that the higher I went, the further I got away from what I love, which was really serving people, helping guide others. And a lot of my role as a sales exec, I would kind of get away from the exec things and go do the coaching and mentoring and trying to help younger executives, younger managers to succeed and realize, you know, I can do that. I don't need to have the exec thing to do that. I can go do that on my own. I decided I wanted to, I like to write, so I decided I'd like to write a book, uh, wrote a book. When that was published, I said, you know, I can go out now and do my own thing. Although I didn't realize at the time I was being recruited for another smaller company to be a senior exec, which was a great opportunity for me to report to a CEO, have a P&L, really run business, which I had not, you know, at IBM, it's just kind of runs. Uh, I'm, I'm in, I'm out, who knows. But at this company, I was really um, a part of the, the, the executive team. And for the first time, really found out what it was was to be an executive leader. And then I stepped out, uh, met up with, uh, started doing some coaching on the side. One of my first coaching clients was a, uh, an exec at John Maxwell Company. And I have always been a John Maxwell groupie. I just love him, his message, his, his, uh, all his materials. He's been mentoring me through books and tapes and uh, CDs for I don't know, 30 years, 35 years. And I just got the opportunity to coach some of his folks and they then invited me to come and join them and what they're doing. And so today I spend the majority of my time uh, writing, speaking, teaching and coaching for the John Maxwell company now called Maxwell Leadership. And it's the, it, other than I'm just gone all the time, it's one of the, one of the great pleasures of my life. I really feel like I've found what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I'm now trying to encourage people that are much younger than me that they can do that earlier than I did. Uh, you don't need to wait in, until you're as old as I am to figure out what you want to do. You can go do it. But it, I'm just glad I found it. Wow. Yeah. So what does that look like? 
You know, it's, uh, I was telling you off, off uh, mic that it's, uh, it can cause some problems because I love so much doing what I'm doing. But uh, I tell my wife, audiences don't come to me. I have to go to where the audience is. So I travel almost every week and I am all over the country, all over the world. I've been able to speak in 54 countries around the world. So I have had a, a huge international experience, which has also been a blessing to see the rest of the world and meet fantastic people, taste fantastic foods, see fantastic sights. But to actually feel like you can touch a life in another uh, country where they don't really speak your language, but you, you can still have an impact on people that way. So for me, it is really uh, in the IBM days and the senior executive days was pursuing success. And now I feel like I've moved to pursuing significance. And I've turned my, just kind of my view of legacy away from leaving something to people and leaving something in people. And if I can do that over the, over the course of the remaining years that I have, it will just be the happiest thing for me. I, again, I wish I had done started it earlier, but I guess it's all part of what got me here. I wouldn't be the man I am if I hadn't had the path I had. So, Well, if you're listening, or since you're listening, I should say, you know exactly why my tank gets full anytime I'm with Perry Holly. So say that again. You found significance not in leaving something for people. Yeah, like legacy. I've always we always look at our personal values. If I'm if I'm talking with a leader, I ask them, you know, how clear are they on their personal values? And they say, well, I don't, I don't really think about it. I go, I know most of us don't. But what I've found and what we would teach, and John Maxwell taught me this, is that your your values. You know, people are watching you all the time. Uh, if, if you're a leader today in your organization, and I don't. I don't mean at the top of the organization, the middle of the organization, the bottom. It doesn't matter where you are. People are watching you all the time, and you need to be aware of that. Most of mm-hmm. us, every time I ask that, every head in the room goes, yeah, I know that. Mm-hmm. And then I say, well, what are they watching for? Mm-hmm. And most people kind of scratch their heads. And here's what I've learned. Uh, people are watching your actions, for sure. They want to see how you act. They're watching your reactions. I think that's even stronger because how you react to good news, bad news, uncertainty, uh, anything that's happening. If you react poorly, people are going to pull back. They're going to watch your interactions. So your actions, your reactions, your interactions. How do, you, how do you speak to people above you in the organization? How do you speak to people below you in the organization? How do you speak to people that serve you at a restaurant? Are, are you, do you put yourself above people? People are watching you. They say, wow, if you, you're talking down to a server, I'm not, you're not somebody... And all it's doing is mm. determining how much influence do you have with people. And you build influence or hurt influence by the way you act, react, and interact with others. And your values, we'll go back to that statement, was if I can get you to understand your values and, and agree that these are two or three of your top values, I will guarantee you they are guiding your behavior. Because yeah. values drive behavior. And if people are watching you, they're trying to decide every day, are you the kind of leader I want to give permission to lead me? I can follow you because I have to. You're the boss. But what good is that? How successful are you going to be long term if I have to follow you? Wouldn't you want me to want to follow you? What would make me want to follow you? Well, guess what? Your actions, reactions, interactions, behaviors. I'm watching you. What do you? Oh, man, I like what I see. You know what? I'm going to give you permission. Yeah, I want more of that. I want more of that. I want yeah. to be on your team. I want to be here. Guess what you just did? You just raised my engagement level, my yep. commitment level, yep. my buy-in. By the way, John Max would teach this too. You don't People say, I'm not buying into my mission. Well, guess what? They don't buy into the mission until they buy into you. Mm. And so the problem is they're not buying into you. So they're not, they don't, they're kind of just Dang. not giving it their all. So I think, well, I want people to give their all to be fully committed. I'm going to have to pay attention to what people are seeing in me. Are they following me because they want to? And so we get to values and say, well, you got to be clear because you're broadcasting something. How, how aware of you are what you're broadcasting to others? And is it something they want? Wow. You know, Mike, I don't know if you got enough battery or enough capacity. We could, we, we could go for a full 24-hour podcast because this is – this I will, I will live off of this conversation for weeks after this because that's the, that's the investment that Perry makes in me and in many others. All right, we had sort of a script, but now that just takes me in a different direction, and I know you can handle it, and I hope I can too. When, when I was a young leader – I want to come back to what you're talking about, but one of the first lessons that I had as a young leader was one, it was so uncomfortable and it was in the form of a 360 feedback where it was a bank that I worked for and they basically surveyed everyone around me, not just the people that worked for me, but the people up, down and across. 
And I was part of this leadership program and they gave us the results of this 360 feedback thing. And we were supposed to be in our room going through it for like 30 minutes. And then we were supposed to be back down in the, the conference room. Well, about an hour later, somebody's knocking on my door to make sure I'm okay because as, as the facilitator went through the feedback, it, w- it, was, it was the first time in my life that I felt like I had what is now one of three self-awareness, what I call self-awareness moments. Mm-hmm. And if I had never been made self-aware, I could never improve. And I was, I was young, I was gonna, was gonna rip through this thing and I was gonna get things done and my heart changed my outlook changed. You know, how I saw, as you mentioned a moment ago, other people changed. And that moment of self-awareness was, it was literally life-changing. So if you're talking about the values of an executive, a business owner, a leader at any level, what's, what's the best way outside of that 360 feedback that I went to? How do you become self-aware so that you can then identify those values? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And that's, Trust to me is the linchpin of leadership. If you don't have trust, you, you got nothing. But self-awareness is the guiding principle behind everything that builds trust. I say it's a superpower. It is. You, if you're not self-aware, uh, unfortunately, most of us, most I, I do it a, a, a ton of uh, executive coaching. And my findings are, and I'm included in that, that we think we're more self-aware than we really are. I don't think you ever really arrive. So you need to always be considering your self-awareness. One lesson I've learned in the last couple of years, I teach it every week, it seems like, to leaders that I'm, that I'm speaking with, is that you should be aware that you are always making people feel something. Are you aware of what you make people feel? And could you do it on purpose? Could you be intentional about how you make people feel when they're around you? Now, I learned this because I I was having trouble uh, many years ago with a new team I'd gotten. I shared it with my wife and she says, I said, I'm having trouble connecting with these people. And she said, well, you know, you can be very intimidating. (laughs) Intimidating? I don't want to be intimidating. She said, well, you know, you're big uh, and you have a deep voice and you look very stern. I go, what? And she, uh, she, then I I was about to fight back and, you know, argue, but she, she had one more, she goes, you know, you're a different person when you smile. What? Whoa. And I thought, wow, I started noticing that when, so when I, I wrote a whole lesson called Mind Your Face, is that when you're walking in a room, and by the way, when you're coming home from work and you get out of your car and you walk through that door, you're gonna make people feel something. What is it you wanna make them feel? So I'm looking at my kids saying, are they thinking, Daddy's home. Are they thinking, oh, daddy's home. I want to know. Am I don't I, like what you're saying right now, by I, the way. This is an intervention. They wanted me, Mike asked me to say the, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I, this was a big learning for me to say, I can actually, if I'm thinking about, you got to think about leadership as influence too. Maybe we should have started with that to say, so many of us were raised to think that leadership is my title, is my position. And we get, we get promoted, we get, we get these, these jobs and we have these titles and we think that's, that's who I am. That's my leadership. And that is incorrect. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less, quoting John Maxwell. But your title does give you some influence, but it's very small. And people follow you because they have to. And that's what I was saying earlier is that if I can build my influence by building relationship with you, could I convince you to give me permission to lead you? and that you want to. And now I'm starting to climb this levels of influence that I can uh, be a much more effective leader at a higher level of influence with you if you want to be here and we produce results together and we develop each other and we grow. Wow, we, we were now talking many times that we've talked about talent and, and retaining top talent and recruiting top talent. Uh, how do you keep people on your team? Well, they've got to feel valued, welcome, safe, like, like they belong. Mm-hmm. And you do this mm-hmm. through these things that, that we're talking about. But I'd realized that I'm making people feel something. Could I do it on purpose at work, at home? I walk through the airport a lot. I notice a lot of people are looking stern, to use my wife's word. A lot of people look angry. Yeah. And so I just started smiling at people in the airport, just trying to see if I, you know what they do when you smile at people? Smile back. They smile back, except TSA, they're not too no. good about that. No, I think they, they're yeah, trained. Yeah, they're watching. Well, they're yeah. looking for something. But yeah, I just noticed that I can change how people see me by just mainly managing my face a little bit. Mind your face, and then mind your influence. Think about things in terms of influence, not title. All of a sudden, I become a. a I wanted to become approachable. I want to be teachable. I want people to trust me. I want them to know that I I am for them, and I actually. 
I'm not going to be successful unless they want me to be. So mm-hmm. I want them to mm-hmm. want me to be. So yeah. uh, how do I get, how do I drive these highest levels of engagement and not have you hold back that discretionary effort we talk about in engagement? People have a discretionary effort. I can give it to you and the bank, or I can give it to me and my, my interest. Yep. What would you want me to do? Well, I'd like you to give it to me. Well, what would make me want to give you my discretionary effort? Oh, you engage me at the highest levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is beyond what anyone, I mean, such a blessing to be together and, and folks that are listening, I don't think realize the, uh, you're, you're getting, you're getting a live Perry Holly session via regions business radio and I coaching radio live. Yeah. (laughs) And, and for the listeners, I mean, this is, these are the conversations that Perry and I have, you know, it's, it just, because there's so much to learn and I could jump off any, any, anywhere in that. But so, so let's, let's talk for a minute about, okay, so let's say somebody has built trust with a team and they, they have a little bit of awareness. They mind their face, which, by the way, that's a gut punch to me. You know, things going on in the world today, I, I find myself, and I think, and you, you know this better than I do when I bring it up, you're going you're gonna to give me the details, but it, it takes more muscles to smile than it does to frown or something like that. More and, to frown, I think, than to smile, yes. But yet I walk around with a countenance that, that it's not stern. I, I, I agree with Bonnie. You can, you can look pretty stern sometimes. Um, I but but I, I sort of, I'm the other way. And that just makes me think about the, the world needs not just more leaders with a friendly countenance, but just people in general. And, and I appreciate you sharing that with me today and to our listeners, because at this time of the year, with all the pressures that we have, there's, there's probably business owners and executives that they're not meeting their, their 2022 goals and they're stressed out. And, and maybe to some extent, our, our podcast today can encourage someone before they walk into their house to see their, their significant other and their family. They can look in that mirror and go, am I going to go in with a smile or am I going to go in with a scowl? And what does that say to my family when I walk in? Right. But, but furthermore, a lot of information you just gave as it relates to being an effective leader, that just scratching that surface trust, significance. What do I leave in people as opposed to what do I leave with people? But the biggest challenge, Perry, of any business that's listening to this podcast or any business that I meet with is that is people they can't find them they can't keep them they're dissatisfied the the biggest issue of any of our customers and anyone listening to this podcast is employee engagement employee retention employee attraction that's a big topic that's a that's an eight-hour session what would you say in light of your perspective on leadership significance trust to to someone that's struggling with the biggest issue in business today yeah, I put a. Uh, I saw this on YouTube as a, a guy I follow. Is that talks about engagement a lot. You can find it on YouTube and um, called it "Who's Sinking Your Boat." So you can Google that. I mean, search that on YouTube. But it, it just stuck with me. It was a picture of a of a boat. Picture a canoe, and it has ten little heads sticking out of it uh, out of the boat. And what Kelleher, the author of this, said was that imagine this is your team of ten. And he said, what the, what the surveys tell us is that globally, but it, let's just talk United States because it's a little worse in the United States, that average team of 10, if that were your boat, that three of those people are rowing with you. You can just picture them. They're working hard. Those would be the engaged, the fully engaged people. They're rowing. You're saying that way. They're rowing with you. The next five people in the boat are sitting with the oar across their lap, watching the scenery go by. That would be the disengaged. And that leaves two who are in the back of the boat actively trying to sink the boat while you're moving. Mm. And so you hear, you hear that drill? That's, that's somebody drilling holes in your boat. They call that actively disengaged. I, I was puzzled because my brain can't even go there. What, would, what is actively disengaged? And it means that not only do they have a bad attitude, they want others to have a bad attitude. They don't just go against you. They try to get others to go against you. So they are actively trying to undermine you. So we have methods, conversations, performance reviews, things that we can do for people that are actively disengaged. I would, you know, we don't have time here, but I often go into a conversation with people, could you coach a sinker to be a rower? And I'll get all kinds of answers. And trust me, I am a, uh, I'm a 
huge believer in people. I'm a people developer. I am a coach. I'm a potential seeking person. I want people to have their full potential. But what I've learned after doing this for 35 years, 40 years, is that there are some people that just don't want to. There are some people that don't know how to. And it's, it requires energy and time for me. I have to decide where's the best use of my energy, trying to convince a sinker to be a rower or maybe even a watcher or spend some time with these watchers as can I get them rowing and, mm. and you know, let the rowers go row in somebody else's boat. I did have one guy tell me once, he said, hey, Perry, I want to tell you, everybody in my boat's rowing. They're all rowing in a different direction, but they're rowing. I wasn't sure if that was, if that was good or bad, but <laughs> he thought so. Maybe. He thought it was good. Uh, but you know, to answer your question is thinking, I'm just, I always think about that. I'm looking at my team and it's funny when I say this in a large audience, you'll get some snickers when you say sinkers. And then I'll say, by the way, just pause for a moment and think of your team. And it gets really quiet. I said, do you know if I gave you your list of your team, could you label them rower, watcher, sinker, rower, watcher, rower, watcher, rower, sinker, sinker. I mean, do you know? And most people say, yes, it's very clear to me. Who are my rowers? Who are my watchers? And who are my sinkers? So I think, well, what, should, what can I do? I, I need to have a direct conversation with the sinkers. We may have, have to handle that one way. But how, what would I do to increase rowers in my boat? And that is get people to go from disengaged to engaged. And it goes back to some of the things we've already been saying is it's about your influence level. What are you, how, how invested are you in them? Uh, how much do you know them? I'll tell you another little secret. I, I guarantee you nobody will write this down. I didn't. Finally learned I better write this down. It's going to sound so simple that you'll say, yeah, I got it. But I, I tell people this on coaching calls and I ask them three weeks later, what were the three things that every follower is asking about you? And they go, oh yeah, what was that? And they, they can't remember. So there's three questions that every follower is asking about you. And the first question is, can you help me? So if I'm working for you, JD, I'd say, and I'm, every day I'm watching you, your actions, your reactions, your interactions, your behaviors, I've decided to give you permission to lead me. And then I'm deciding if I'm gonna go any higher in that influence, give you more influence in my life. Are you trying to help me? Are you trying to help yourself? Are you, are you really in this for me? Are you willing to help me? What does help even look like? I challenge audiences all the time. What does help look like? And I'm, I'm shocked by some of the puzzled look on people's faces. If, if I followed around behind your team and you left and I said, what does JD do to help you? Would they, what would they tell me? And then they start thinking, well, I give them resources. I get, get things out of the way. I remove obstacles. Fantastic. Then I say the second question that every follower is asking about you is, do you care about me? And you used to think, well, care is kind of a funny thing because how you feel care and how I feel care could be quite different. Mm -hmm. I've had, you know, I've had a boss that would call me and tell me, Perry, you're doing amazing work. I want to thank you. I got a call from a customer. You're making a big difference. You're adding value. I'm ready to run through a wall. Yep. I feel cared for, loved. I'm appreciated. Just show me the wall. I'll run through it. But I tell my partner, Jim, I said, don't you love it when the boss does that? And he goes, I hate that. I wish he'd quit. I thought, well, what does Jim want? And so I could give you a whole lesson on the languages of appreciation and how do you, how do you figure out what, how it shows appreciation to people. One question leaders you could do is just ask people, how can I show you more appreciation? And it's a simple question. Now there are better ways to do it, but I've, I've used that one now to say, how can I show you appreciation? So first question, are you trying to help me? Second question I'm asking, do you care for me? And, and how do you show care to people? Third question, can I trust you? And you just think about that. If you looked at your team, your boat, and you looked at your watchers, actually look at everybody, rowers, watchers, and sinkers, and go person by person, do they know I'm trying to help them? Do they know I care about them? Do they, do they know they can trust me? And you could do a little, uh, little spreadsheet. There was names in those three columns, and they say, I don't, know if, I don't know if JD knows I care about him. How, do, how would JD know I care about him? I don't know if JD really trusts me fully. How would I get JD to trust me fully? Mm. And we can go to a full conversation about what do you think gets in the way of trust, and I'm going to tell you, I make a pre-qualification. We're going to take lying, cheating, and stealing off the table because I'm pretty sure the people I'm coaching aren't doing that. So it's not the big three. What is it? Oh, you said you'd send me a spreadsheet and you never, sprint, you never sent it. You know, you made a flippant commitment to somebody to send them an email or to send them a file. They're tracking it viciously like it's a major commitment in their life because they really need the file. You, it was so easy to you. You spaced it and didn't do it. And now they think, I can't trust him. Every time I ask JD for something, I got to ask three times. You think, Really? Yes. This is what gets in the way of people thinking, can you, be, can you be trusted? There are some other issues for sure, but I'm thinking if I can answer these three questions, help, care, and trust, I'm a long way toward building influence with you and having you commit to row with me in this mm -hmm. boat. And that's what I want. It's a boat full of rowers. How do you apply that when, I was going to say quality uh, 
employees, employees period are so scarce. You know, I mean, I think in today's world, sometimes leaders are scared to push too far. You know, you think about asking, how, how can I show you that I care for you? And, and then you think about the, the wide range of personnel that we might have listening. You might have, you know, someone that has a manufacturing floor where somebody's running a press or, or doing some manual labor. And then you might have someone listening that, that, that runs an office where it's maybe more, uh, for, for lack of a better term, you know, white collar and someone's in, maybe it's a, a, an accounting firm and, and you have professionals by, by education and, and, you know, licensing. How do you, how, how do you go about, I don't want to say being all things to all people, but you have a variety of different personalities, experiences, responsibilities in any of the organizations that are listening to us. How does a leader go about approaching care, trust, and help? Help. <laughs> See, I told you you wouldn't write it down. Uh, yeah, it's a great question because this goes back to rule one about, so you got a title, you're the boss, I have to follow you. I'd like to in- increase my influence with you so that you want to follow me so that we can increase engagement. And the first thing I need to do is, the rule one is, I have to have a relationship with you. I've got to get to know you. Now, what I find is a lot of people, this is, I go back to your, about personalities. Some of us are better at relationships, people. Mm-hmm. Some of us are better at production and results and tasks. I, uh, and you, I happen to know you pretty well, uh, we're, we are relationship people. Mm-hmm. And so I have to work extra hard to produce results and, and do the hard part, the credibility part of leadership, which is producing results. You're not gonna be a leader very long if you don't produce results. But if you want somebody who's gonna build relationships and make people uh, want to, be, it's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you'll come in one day and say, what happened to Perry? Oh, he got fired. Everybody liked him, yet he wasn't producing results. Because, but everybody liked me. So I've, I had to learn in my career was, I'm really good at relationship. I've got to get better at executing on the results piece, which is setting expectations, setting goals, setting a standard for performance, having difficult conversations, following up, accountability, all the hard part. But it really is what generates people to really be rowing with you in a, and building positive momentum of result. That's what I want to do. I'm really good at the, res, at the relationship side. But to your point, everybody's got to, you've got to get to know everybody on your team because everybody's different. You cannot lead everybody the same. And that was a big mistake I made earlier was, I, you know, my boss, well, the, the way that you do appreciation is, it's, if you've ever heard of the, uh, the five love languages, mm-hmm. the, the guy, Gary Chapman, wrote that book 35 years ago. Can't believe it was that long ago. I learned about it in marriage counseling. Most guys did. But I, I, I learned and I got like, she's still here. So I'm, I'm excited. What Gary Chapman did was 15 years ago, he did another piece of work, went to the workplace and he, he did a survey in the workplace and he calls it the language of appreciation. You can, you can find this on mm. Amazon like that. I found it fascinating was it takes the, fi- the same five languages. So what, what I described a minute ago, my boss told me how great it was doing. And I, I felt appreciated, loved and cared for it. Yeah. What was that? Well, that's words, words of, affirmation. of affirmation. So my friend Jim, who said, I hate that, I started getting interested. What is Jim's language of appreciation? Jim, I said, Jim, what do you like about the boss? He goes, I love it when he comes and gets a coffee and we go for a walk. Ah, quality time. Quality time. You know, yep. so if you, I'll just, now we've opened the can, I'll just say, words of affirmation is the most in the uh, population, about 45%. And that's us, you know. Yep. Raising my hand. How about you, we Mike? Got, yep. We got three yep. out of three here, so we, we're uh, 100% at this table. Quality time was number two, about 25% of the population. Acts of service is number three. It's about 15%, 20% of the population. It means words are cheap. Help me. Mm-hmm. Come mm-hmm. and help me do this. That happens to be my wife's. And so, you know, the, what got me into marriage counseling was that I'm, I'm coming in and she's, she's doing all these acts of service, taking care of me, the house, the kids, the meals, the laundry, all this. Acts of service, acts of service, acts of service, showing love and appreciation to me. And I, being the words of affirmation, I'm, way to go, baby, keep going. And that was kind of ticking her off because words of affirmation isn't her love language, yeah. isn't her appreciation language. What I needed to do was look at that list on the refrigerator door of things that need to be done since I was gone this week and actually do them, which would be acts of service, which would show her. Yep. And guess what she does then? She then says, way to go, Perry, you're doing a great job. And gives me words of affirmation. Right. We had it backwards, because I'm sitting there going, why don't you sit down and tell me how great I am? She says, why don't you get up and do something? <laughs> and, so, and, that, and I can't tell you, I mean, hundreds of dollars of counseling it took to get that one sentence out on the table. 
acts of service, help me. Number four, tangible gifts. It doesn't have to be something big, but it says, I was at this uh, trade show and I saw this key ring, made me think of you. It just says I was thinking of you. Yeah. Um, it's a small percentage, maybe 10% of the population on that. And then number five is physical touch. Obviously in the workplace, be very careful about who you touch. Uh, you don't want to be touching people. However, if you've got a hugger in your office, if you've got someone that when you, approach, I had one guy that would always come up and put his arm around my neck, hey boss, how you doing? And I could just, now as I got to know people thinking, you know, what is that? It's a fist bump. It's a hearty handshake. It's a pat on the back. Very careful. It's only 5% of the population, but you got to be very careful with, with that one. But I just started thinking, if I can figure out the people on my team as I get to know them, just watching. Hmm. So little observations. Somebody says, hmm. hey, Perry, I brought you a cup of coffee. Tangible gifts. Hey, Perry, you want to go get a cup of coffee? Quality, Quality time. time. Hey, Perry, you did a great presentation last week. I really thought you did a nice job with the whole team. Words Word of affirmation. affirmation. Hey, Perry, I know you're doing a presentation next week. Do you need any help with me putting that together? Acts of service. Perry, come here, you knucklehead, and give me a hug. Then I, then I know it's physical touch. But I'm thinking you can start to watch how people appreciate you and how they appreciate their teammates and determine what their language is. And that, that's the hard part now is you're broadcasting on your main channel. So I'm, yeah, you and I yeah, are broadcasting, yeah. and three of us are broadcasting words of affirmation. I am a world-class encourager. I am always telling people how much I appreciate them and how great they're doing. Unfortunately, it only speaks to 45% of the people on my team probably. Another great truth about this is you need to figure out what your least is because my least was quality time. I don't get it, don't like it, don't know why anybody would want it. But guess what? 25% of the people in my workplace and even worse, in my home, may have quality time and I yep. think it's silly. So I needed to put that away and it's a blind spot. So now I say, who, who needs what and can I begin to speak to them in their language? Now this, a lot of leaders probably listen to this going, are you kidding me? I gotta, I gotta figure out how to, I'm just, only if you wanna have influence and move rowers, get more rowers from your watchers. Yeah. This, it's all about people. Your you know, IQ versus EQ has been argued for years, Harvard Business Review, they've done it, but it's about 10% IQ. If you're not competent, we're not going to follow you anyway. So you already got people, you're competent. The rest of it's EQ and it's people. If they're not going to go along with you, they can't get along with you. And they're not going to, um, they're not going to buy into you if, if, if you aren't driving that influence with them, that, that you, you're there to help them, you care about them, and they can trust you. And people will get in your boat and they will row, even through hard times. And we're in tough times right now. Yeah, it's going to get tougher. It is. And I'm thinking, in, in these tough times, are people going to put their oar down or are they going to row with you? And I'm thinking, I better be paying attention. As we start a new year, do I need to do some new habits? Do I need to take some new steps? Do I need to build better relationships? Do I need to get people, figure out who people are and make sure that I'm caring for them? And they, they know that they're highly valued, highly safe here with me. They can, I'm, you can talk with me about anything. I want to hear from you. All kinds of things we can do. Okay. So we're about 36 minutes in. We got, let's, uh, let's, let's bring it in for a little bit of a landing. I hope everyone that's listening is enjoying this as much as, as I am because Everything's intertwined. All of your points are inter intertwined. I'm not going to review them. Just hit rewind and listen to it on your favorite podcast device or whatever you have. Okay, so what you just shared. Let's segue into 2023's Around the Corner. What are some leadership trends? Or, if you prefer, in light of what you just shared, what should business executives or owners be doing now with 2023? Right around the corner with the caveat that it feels like the economy is slowing and things are getting a little tougher. So what would you say to those owners, executives, and leaders? Yeah, I'll break it into, and I, I teach this as, as part of a remarkable manager uh, model that I have, but I, I, I use it a lot personally that says, first of all, I start with how do I lead myself? So you started it today with self-awareness, mm -hmm. and I think that's critical. So let me tell you that if you've got the holidays coming up, if you've got some downtime, maybe you do an assessment about how are you leading you? People are watching you. They want to know, or do you lead yourself? Why am I going to let you lead me if you can't lead you? <laughs> and so what would that look like? And it could look like, how do you manage your time? How do you manage your energy? Uh, how productive are you? If, if everybody in your team is as productive as you, would that be good or bad? And so are you, are you modeling the, the character and the competence that you want to see in others. Are you leading you first mm -hmm. to do that? So lead yourself would be the first one. Second one about leading the team would be the, another part of this model. I think if I'm, what uh, about these relationships? How are you? Take an assessment. Where are you with people? How, how well do you know them? How well are you connected with them? We talk about relationships, but to me, the next level of that is connection. Are you connecting? Are you finding common ground? Do people know they can talk to you? Or, or do you have an open dialogue going with people? If you do not have a one-on-one, -on -one, a regular one-on-one -on -one with people on your team, either weekly or bi-weekly, 
you need to have that. People need to have a space where they can speak with you. I thought that was kind of common sense and uh, wouldn't even have said it here except I do so much coaching with leaders that do not do that mm -hmm. that I find it to be incredibly important to, to do that. Is, uh, can I ask a quick question? In that regard to one-on-one -on -one for the connection piece, do you find that for me, I'm in sort of close quarters with the folks that work for me and every week, let me ask the question instead of giving you commentary. The question is this. <laughs> Do you find that a scheduled time of one-on-one -on -one is more effective than an organic time, or is an organic time of one-on-one -on -one more effective than a scheduled time? Yeah, I don't know if I have the data to say effective one or the other. I did it scheduled, and I had a little one simple rule. They can cancel. I can never cancel. It looks bad if the boss keeps canceling the one-on-one, -on -one, but I can reschedule. I can't cancel, but I can reschedule because things happen. Things hit your mm -hmm. schedule. But I, I know I always had, you know, thinking of somebody was always Monday at four. Monday at four for 30 minutes, I knew that I had a certain person. Now, they could say, boss, I got nothing to talk about this week. And I'd say, well, I do, I have one thing I want to get with you business-wise. And then I would use that to, how you doing? How's the family? I would try to learn things. I keep notes. If you don't do that, I want to know what their special dates are, one of their anniversaries and birthdays. I want to know what their kids are doing. I'm, I'm looking, just a little tip there. Not everybody, I'm trying to get to know people. Not everybody wants to be known. Be, be sensitive to that. Don't, don't do an in inquisition of somebody mm -hmm. trying to make them. Yeah, don't interrogate them. Yeah, the, don't yeah, put them under yeah, an exposed big bright light, light bulb. Yeah, they'll do that. <laughs> yeah. But I can, uh, if they don't want to be known personally, I, I always turn to professional. Most mm -hmm. people don't mind talking about how they got into this line of business. What, what interested you the most about that? You know, one thing I'm listening for, instead of talking about the ball game and the weekend and, and the kids' games, which I think you should a little bit, I try to quickly get off of that and ask, uh, get to know you common grounds types of questions. I'm trying to, you know, one skill that most leaders don't work on is a skill of curiosity. Yeah. Is yeah. That, oh, I agree with that. Could I be curious enough about you? Where'd you, how'd you get into this line of birth? How'd you get into banking? What, what interests you the most about this? And what I'm listening for is what motivates you? What makes you yeah, get out of bed sure. in the morning? For sure. What, what drives you, you? Yeah. What, what makes you tick? And yeah. I just, I look for that. I look for some personal if I can, but if not everybody wants to be known, don't, don't pressure that. But I think the, the scheduled one-on-one -on -one gives me a known time. Mm -hmm. And then I look for the organics uh, during yeah. the week. If I can get, you know, I'm walking down, Hey, you want to go grab a coffee? You want to, I'm going to, I had one boss that would go, he had uh, meetings on his schedule. And he would say, what's your calendar look like? Could you go to this meeting with me? I go, yeah, I'm, I could. He goes, I want you to go in. And don't, there's going to be a round table. Don't sit there. There's some seats up against the wall. Sit there. Keep your mouth shut. Take a note. Do not say anything. We'll talk about it on the way back. I went, what? what? And what he was doing was, one, he was... It was a leadership development for me. He said, why, why should we, lead? don't ever lead alone. Always invite people to the leadership table. He said, it was a meeting that, it wasn't a, you know, a meeting that I couldn't be at. There are some I shouldn't be at with the senior team, but he wanted me to see what's going on. He was grooming me for the future. He was saying, come and see how this works. I want you to hear how people talk. I want, I want to get your feedback on that. And, and I thought, wow. Instead of adding another meeting to his calendar to meet with me, he included me in a meeting he already had on his calendar to go to the table. Yeah. I thought, I look back on that and say, man, I could do that too. To see him in action, really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and decide that, wow, he's investing in me. So, yeah, the, I look for the organic moments, but the, I always have it on my schedule. I love that, especially as we're looking out over, you know, the golf course here. You know, so many people watch golf swing videos and they try to emulate a, you know, a Tiger or a Rory or whatever the case may be. But... You could apply that in business too. Hey, come see how I have this conversation. And that's what they did for you. So, so go back for a second, lead yourself, lead the team. Lead the team and then lead the business. As you've, you've got to, you, you can't, like I said, we get tied up in the relationship and the team and that's, that's very important. You're not gonna be successful unless they want you to be. But then I also think about what does leading the business mean for me? So if I'm looking for out to 2023 and we're starting this, uh, reflecting. If you're not have a, a discipline of reflection, is it, it really makes you so much more aware, self-aware that, that where, are, where are we? How are we doing? How am I doing? What would we do differently? I, I have four questions that I ask, which are, what went really great this year? And I can also do this on individual, what went really great on that sales call? Or, or it could be a, what went really great this month? It could be what went really great this year. What, what didn't go so great? Where did we stumble? What was, some, what was some areas we could improve on? Being honest about that. What did we learn about our business, about ourselves, about our team? And then what would we do differently? What could we do differently in 2023 
to to learn from what happened here. Uh, a lot of us that we 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 come slamming into the end of December if you're on a, a calendar year business mm -hmm. and you just you're just glad you survived and you take a couple of days off and then you hit the ground running in January. And I think one thing that I've learned uh, over time is to to take some time at the end of the year to reflect, uh, look at your calendar, look at your results, look at you know where did you spend your time, who did you spend your time with, what are your people doing, how are they aligned, what are the territories look like, what are the what are the work efforts, what are the roles and responsibilities, how are we doing, and just being honest about it to say what what could we do differently in that, and then I work with the team. I ask, ask the team to actually think about that as well. Uh, I call it a start, stop, continue. What should we st start doing that would make us more effective in 2023? What should we stop doing that's keeping us from being effective? <laughs> and what should we keep doing that's really adding to our effectiveness? Little simple things to get people engaged. A lot of people say, well, well, I'm not going to tell you because what are you doing with that? You're going to judge me. You're going to no. Oh yeah, there's a new metric. Yeah, Perry's coming nah. up with a new metric. Nah. He's going to. Yeah, I just yeah, think all of us are so smarter good. than one of us. And if I can get you all think is what if if we're <laughs> if our business is dependent on my brain alone, we're in trouble. Yeah. So I really want everybody. They're smart people. Yeah. Uh, another thing I had to learn was expect people to come with a point of view. I just never did that. I thought everybody's looking for me to have the point of view. Mm -hmm. Why are you not thinking about this like you're a, a, an owner? You're, people are acting like hired hands. I don't want hired hands. I want owners. I want leaders. And even if you don't have a title, because we think of leadership as influence, you're a leader. So everybody on your team should be developing their influence, whether they have a title or not. And if, I guarantee you, they don't think about it. They don't think of themselves as leaders. They think of you as the leader. You ought to be pushing it down to them. You are leaders because leadership is influence, not your title. So what do, you, do you have influence with your peers? What would it take you to have more influence with your peers? How could you be more effective if you had more influence? John Maxwell talks about the law of the lid. It's law number one of the 21 laws. It says your effectiveness in all of life is going to be dependent on your ability to lead. And if I take the word lead out and say influence, your ability to influence will determine how effective you're going to be at everything. Think about it at the kids golf club. Think about it at the HOA. Think about it here at the country club. If you have influence, you'll be effective. You don't have influence, you won't be effective. So I'm, I'm always now, I've went so many years, people looking at me as the leader and them not. No, nah, I'm not playing that game anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. Everybody's a leader. Everybody needs to be working on their influence. Some of you will go into leadership positions one day, hopefully all of you, but, but not everybody wants that. But right. can I build you and develop you in that way? This is my year in review with my uh, everyone just listen 360. Yeah. <laughs> everyone just listened to my uh, to my year end uh, meeting with Perry. Perry, I can't thank you enough. I just I think that I, well, my hope is that that someone listening will will take something from this that will challenge them into next year to be better at what they do. And and the overarching theme. And unfortunately, when we name the podcast, we can't go back to another relationship thing. We have, it's all about relationships. It's about, but here we are again in 2022 America, Regions Business Radio, and everything you talked about, again, is about building relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would say too, I had this conversation with a gentleman this week as, as it relates to banks. And, and it was, well, every bank wants to talk about relationships. You know, we hear that from this bank and that bank. Why is it different at regions? And, you know, I thought for a minute and, and, and I sort of run it through the, 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 the Perry Holly lens that, that runs in my mind very frequently. And, you know, it was getting to know each other. I mean, how can you have a relationship if you don't know someone? How can you have a relationship if you don't know something akin to, maybe not specifically, but something akin to their love language? Their leadership, well, it, I guess, and mm -hmm. I don't know what he called it, but what did he call it? The, the sort of non uh, language of appreciation, language of appreciation, yeah. maybe your professional language or whatever. Yeah. I'll tell you, just think about what you just said, that a, a banker, a bank wants to build relationship with me. I would really consider those three questions. And uh, when you when you're dealing with a client, a customer, do they know you want to help them? Do they know you care about them? Do they know they can trust you? Boom. If, if those clients coming in, if, even from a, a corporate customer, uh, a personal company coming in for personal banking, if they know those three things, you probably already, you're on the way to having a great relationship with me. Oh, yeah. Well, but, but to that end, it goes back to, to this thing that's really driving me right now. And it's been, I've mentioned on a couple episodes already is in business, any business, essentially what we get paid to do is to make friends and solve problems. Mm -hmm. The first part, which is making friends, is exactly what you described. Right. You know, can I help you? Can I trust you? 
can I, what's the other one? Care for you. Care for you. <laughs> I told I'm, you, I'm, you write it I'm down. testing you. Yeah, I don't have, you got it down over there, Simon? Um, yeah. but, but if you're going to make friends and if you're going to solve problems, you really have to do the first thing first before you can help someone solve a problem. And, and I, I said to a, a young man that I, it's crazy. I said something to a young man about a year ago. And what I said to him, and this is going to sound horrible. I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm sort of full on friends. <laughs> and now a year later, he's one of my closest friends. And it's because I care for him. I help lead him. We trust one another. I help him. And, and now I'm involved with his family. He's calling me for advice. I support his ministry. All these things that are going on, and now I'm helping him solve problems. It, it is the same thing in business. It is. It you is. know, because unfortunately in our industry, in, in going to a region's, quote, commercial, if you will, you know, in our industry, and Mike has heard me rail on this more time. He can quote what I'm about to tell you. Banking, commercial banking should not be about rate and fee. It should be about who can come into your office and help you solve problems or, or expand your thinking. One way that we do that, we talk about interest rates or uh, not, not interest rates as in who has the cheapest rate. It is what are interest rates doing and how do I, for example, the 10-year the treasury is, is lower than the current prime. So how does that play into your, your financing needs? If you, if you have a capital improvement plan or, you know, whatever it is, those are the conversations that you should be having with your bank, not, hey, can I get the cheapest money? Because sometimes you get what you pay for, even in banking. So for us and on my team, because I have a relationship with Perry Holly and because I have Perryisms and Perry's qualities, hopefully his values running through me and everything I do as a leadership, hopefully that's seen through my team and our, and our customers can see that as well. So I had to go off on that for a I minute because, uh, you know, it is called Regions Business Radio. Oh, it was a Perry Holly show. No, no, okay. <laughs> it no, is today. Okay. Okay. Perry, thank you again. Um, any closing thoughts for any business executive, leader, or owner that you might share uh, in, in closing. I just want to encourage you, if you don't have a personal development plan, if you're not pouring into you, you can't pour into those people on your team. You cannot give what you do not have. And your job as a leader is to is to develop more leaders. And if you cannot develop them if you're not developing you. And so I encourage you, podcasts like this, I have a podcast that's specifically on these leadership topics. Put that in the show notes if you want it. But you, you just need to be developing yourself something small every day. Don't set a big audacious goal that you can't you say, that's too big, I can't do it. Make it so small, you'd be embarrassed not to do it. So I, I set a, a goal of two pages a day in some leadership book, and, may, and maybe it's in banking books, maybe it's in your, your developing your craft, but you gotta be pouring to you before you can pour into others and say, the first of the year is a great time to say, I'm gonna start doing an irreducible minimum, uh, the minimum that can do that cannot be reduced. I'm gonna do it in reading, I'm gonna do it in extras, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you know, to mailbox every day. If I feel good, I'll keep going. But if I don't, I, I'm going to do the minimum, but I'm, I'm going to do it every day. And most yeah. of us have a real struggle with doing something every day. If you can do it small and keep it going, it compounds over time. It was a game changer for me to do something small, start about two pages a day, and I just couldn't stop. And it, it'll add to your it'll add to your. It really does. I studied that one time, and I tried to encourage my team. If you did, and, and, and the question was sort of, how many days a year do you prospect? And it's, it's, a, it's a very small number. So I said, but what if you prospected 15 minutes a day? Mm-hmm. What would that equate to over a year? And I can't remember, eight days of prospecting or, you know, some work days, I mean. So if you can, if you can get it into, you know, you got to start small. Um, there's some great books on that. Atomic Habits, for example, is a, a good book. But um, Perry, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. And thank you to everyone listening today to Regions Business Radio. Please go back and listen to some of our previous episodes if you'd like. And once again, my name is J.D. Mueller. I'm the market executive and senior vice president of commercial banking in Northeast Georgia and Gwinnett. Thank you for listening. Regions Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be accounting, legal, tax, investment, or financial advice. Regents believes this information to be accurate when recorded, but it cannot ensure that it will remain up to date. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation. The information should not be construed as a recommendation of a specific course of action for any individual or business. All Regents products and services are subject to qualification requirements, terms, conditions, fees, and credit. Approval. 